This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. As Americans cautiously emerge from a global pandemic, many of us are wondering what's the next front in the war to protect public health. My next guest writes about a disease most of us have never heard of, but that devastated her family and impacts hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. alone. Chagas disease, caused by a parasite, is widely prevalent across Latin America, but it's been one of the most neglected diseases by governments, the medical establishment, and the pharmaceutical industry. Daisy Hernandez is my guest, former reporter for the New York Times. She's been writing about the intersections of race, immigration, class, and sexuality for almost two decades. She's written for National Geographic, NPR's All Things Considered, and Code Switch, The Atlantic, Slate, and Guernica. And she's a former editor of Color Lines, a news magazine on race and politics. She's the author of the award-winning memoir, A Cup of Water Under My Bed, and co-editor of Colonize This, Young Women of Color on Today's Feminism. She's also an associate professor at Miami University in Ohio. She now joins me to discuss her new book. It's called The Kissing Bug, a true story of a family, an insect, and a nation's neglect of a deadly disease. Welcome to the program, Daisy. Thank you so much for having me. So let's first talk about what this disease is. Most of us have never heard of it. As I read your book and did a little bit of research, I was shocked and frankly, a little terrified of a disease that something like 300,000 people are living with currently in the United States and that took the life of your aunt. So tell me, let's talk about your aunt first because this is a memoir, it's a personal book. What happened to her and how did her contracting this disease lead you down this path to this book? Yeah, so she was diagnosed with Chagas disease when I was five years old. And I, so I grew up knowing that this disease existed. It's a parasitic disease um, that's transmitted by a kissing bug and the parasite for one in three people who are infected, it ends up causing cardiac complications or gastrointestinal issues. And my auntie suffered from those gastrointestinal issues, um, which means that um, when she was very, very sick, she looked like she was very skinny, but she had a belly that made her look like she was pregnant almost. Um, and it was basically her large intestine dilating. And, um, and yeah, basically the parasite attacking her body in that way. And so I grew up knowing about Chagas disease, but I thought it was very rare. I thought that my auntie was the only person or one of very, very few. And she lived with this disease for years. Once it's in the chronic stage, people will suffer for decades um, with the disease. And when she died, I began to do research. And that's when I discovered that it's not rare at all. There's 300,000 people, as you said, in the United States with Chagas disease. All of them are like my auntie. They're um, Latinx immigrants from South or Central America or Mexico. Um, and they're people who spent time in a, most likely in rural areas of the, that region of Latin America. And so that's where they had contact with kissing bugs. Um, kissing bugs. Let's just take a moment and tell us about that. I mean, it's the title of your book as well. It's, you know, sounds like something that might almost be you know, not related to an insect, but it's quite a terrifying looking insect. It is, it's a, it's a very dangerous insect, despite the kind of cutesy name that it has in English. Uh, it's a triatomine insect. 
There's actually more than 100 species of this insect, and we have it here in the United States as well, mostly in the southern part of the United States and in California and the southwest. And it is, uh, there's about five species in South America and Central America that are considered to be the most dangerous in the sense that they are able to really effectively transmit the parasite Trypanosoma cruzi, which is what ends up leading to Chagas disease. It is, um, so I have to tell you that when I began working on this, I was terrified of all insects. Anything that was creeping and crawling that had six legs was really terrifying to and me. And you're in Florida, so is it Florida? No, I'm actually no, you're in, in Ohio. Ohio. I'm sorry, you're in my- I'm in Ohio, and I'm terrified of that. the cicadas here too. <laughs> right, we, uh, you're, you're, you're in cicada country right now, the 17 year- I am year. in cicada country, yes. <laughs> I'm less terrified than when I began working on this book, because when I began working on the book, I was terrified of insects, you know, not not only because many of us are, but also because I grew up knowing that an insect was somehow related to the reason that my auntie was so sick. And so I always knew insects to be, you know, not just perhaps a little disgusting or very disgusting, but also dangerous in terms of illness. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a little strange that I ended up writing a book with the title, The Kissing Bug, um, but that's what happens when you start researching and asking questions. You end up in places where you did not expect. <laughs> so you found out that this disease is quite a prevalent. It, it, if you look at a world map of where the disease is uh, centered, it really is on South and Central America and Mexico, the Latinx nations, if you will. It, there, it is prevalent in the United States, but not at epidemic levels. You do find it in Australia and some parts of Europe, but again, not at epidemic levels. Why is this, a, as you call it, uh, a neglected disease? Why is this considered a, a disease that has not received much attention? Well, it impacts in the Americas, it impacts at least 6 million people. 6 million people have Chagas disease, and yet we don't know about it in the United States. And I would say in other countries as well, uh, in Western Europe, et cetera, they don't know about it. So it's been neglected because um, that lack of public knowledge about the disease, the lack of funding for both the care of people who have the disease and also for medication and research. So right now there's only two drug treatments um, for Chagas disease. Once it's in the chronic stage, it's actually not curable. It's incurable in the, at that point. But there are only two medications and these are medications that we've had since the 1970s. So we haven't had any kind of investment even in the kind of treatment options that might be available to people. And that includes children because children respond really well to these two old medications. Um, but children are exposed to the kissing bug, um, the parasite can actually be transmitted from a mother to child during pregnancy, at which point um, it would be essential, right, to have these medications. So it's neglected because we have not invested in any way in terms of treatment and research for this disease. And that's because Chagas, like a lot of other diseases, are mainly afflicting poor people outside of the United States. And so we can afford to ignore it. Tell me about Dr. Carlos Chagas. And for those who want to Google this disease, it's spelled C-H-A-G-A-S. I uh, understand he was a Brazilian doctor? Yeah, so in 1909, um, Dr. Carlos Chagas in Brazil was actually fighting malaria. And it was a really 
incredible time in terms of the history of public health, because by this time in 1909, we're making those connections between public health and uh, germs and insects, mosquitoes, etc. So he had that kind of context that he was working in and he was fighting malaria and he was in a more rural part of Brazil where railroad workers were telling him you know, there's these insects that are bothering us at night. And it was only at night because kissing bugs only come out at night. They hate the daylight. They're a little bit of vampires in that sense. And so he heard, he started to collect these insects and to dissect them. And he immediately found that there was a parasite inside of them. Um, but he didn't know at that point if they were causing disease. So it was a little bit of an unusual situation. For those who don't know the history of different diseases, a lot of times, it starts the other way. There's symptoms and, and illness, and then doctors and researchers work their way backwards to the cause of it. But for Dr. Carlos Chagas, he found the insect first and the parasite first, and then had to figure out, is this actually causing illness? And they were infecting monkeys in the lab, and they were seeing that the monkeys were getting sick, the monkeys were dying, their cardiac muscle was affected. And so then he actually went back to the same community he happened upon a little girl who got really sick and she had very vague symptoms. You know, she had some swollen glands. She had a high fever. Um, he withdrew blood to see if there might be signs of the parasite, Trypanosoma cruzi. And in fact, he did find the parasite. So he was able to make those connections that the parasite that was in the kissing bug was in this little girl. She had most likely been infected by exposure to the insects. You point out that Chagas disease is even more prevalent in the United States than the Zika virus, which has gotten a lot of attention, which scientists have done a lot of work to try to deal with. Um, do you, let's just come out and say it, is this a disease that has been neglected by the nation that prides itself on its scientific innovation and treating deadly diseases, that, that, that it's because it's primarily affecting Latino, Latina people? And so it's just not seen as that important. Yeah, I think so. Um, this is a community that is not only Latinx, but that also is um, oftentimes people are working low wage jobs um, and have a lot that they're dealing with. Um, so this is not a community that has like the wealth and the resources to organize among themselves and to advocate. Um, some people also are undocumented that have Chagas disease. So it's a very vulnerable population, even within the Latinx community. And so absolutely, I think it's very easy for the medical system to ignore the disease. And I also think part of it is that th there are chronic symptoms, you know, so it can also be easier to ignore rather than uh, dramatic death tolls, right? It's people who suddenly they feel like, wait, I can't walk up a flight of stairs without losing my breath. You know, I feel aching in my chest. I'm catching, struggling to catch my breath all the time. So a lot of people who have it don't know they have it, don't, can't explain their symptoms. Absolutely. What they are first noticing are cardiac complications, um, which they might not even identify as being cardiac complications. They just don't know why they can't catch their breath, for example, um, or why their heart is uh, palpitating in a certain way. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. They don't necessarily know about the disease themselves, so they can't even go to a doctor and say, I, I need to be diagnosed for this or this is what I have. They actually don't know themselves. So there are so many barriers. Hmm. 
you write about your aunt, your tia, tia Dora, um, in 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 this journey that you take us on to understand this disease. How important is it? I'm assuming, of course, not only is it a personal thing to you, but to personalize and to humanize a disease is an important first step towards drawing attention toward it. This, I imagine, was your one of your main goals. Yeah, absolutely. I felt for myself, actually, initially, I wanted to meet these other Latinx families who were struggling with this disease because we only knew ourselves. We didn't know that anyone else had this. And um, and I thought, you know, I wanted to know what was happening for these other Latinx families. And then once I began to meet them, it felt very essential to be able to share their stories. And so, for example, one patient who I write about in the book, her name is Janet. Um, she knew about Chaga's disease because it's pretty common in her country and her father had been diagnosed with it. Her sister had been diagnosed with it. And actually her sister needed a pacemaker because of the devastation that the parasite had already uh, created in her body, on her heart. Um, but Janet herself was very healthy. You know, she was somebody, as she told me, she never got a cold, she never got a flu. She did exercising, you know, she just uh, was in really good shape. Um, and she'd had a first pregnancy that was absolutely normal and wonderful. And then with her second pregnancy, her baby was born prematurely and was quite sick. He was already having cardiac issues. He was having he had scar tissue on his heart. He had damage to his right ventricle. And it was because of Chagas disease. She had no idea that it could be transmitted um, from a mother to a baby during pregnancy. She really thought of it as an old person's disease. And that's because the parasite can be dormant in the body for up to three decades before people start to experience symptoms. So she thought, well, my father has it, but you know, he's older. He was diagnosed when he was older, the same for her sister. Um, and so for me, it was just, it was also a shock. Actually, I had no idea before I started researching that children could contract this during pregnancy. So it was quite a shock. And, um, and it was also incredible to watch her fight for her baby, you know, uh, making sure that he got the care that he needed, advocating for herself and for him. And just, it was incredible to also see the level of faith that she had um, that her baby would survive. Um, it was just an incredible journey with her. So this disease is spreading throughout the United States. It's becoming more and more apparent that it is one to be taken seriously. The reports of it in, in Texas, in New Jersey, um, I imagine because of climate change and climate change driven migration, that this is an issue. This is a disease that will rear its head even larger in the United States than it is now, right? I mean, we were caught so off guard with the latest coronavirus um, pandemic, uh, but uh, in looking at what future diseases could impact the nation and the world, would you say that this is one that does need to get the scientists' attention, the attention of the pharmaceutical industry to try to upgrade those treatments and, and you know, come up with maybe a cure even? Yeah, Chavez is definitely different from COVID in that it's not transmitted from person to person so easily or in that way. It's definitely Chavez disease is more akin to, I would say, Lyme disease. Uh, 
in that we need to have the participation of that kissing bug or in the case of Lyme disease of that tick is involved. So it's not the same level of urgency at all as a COVID uh, pandemic kind of respiratory and, and sort of how easy it is to, uh, that virus to be transmitted. I do think it deserves um, more attention from scientists and more attention from the medical community because we have 300,000 people in the United States with this disease and one in three of them will end up developing cardiac issues as a result of this parasite. So I definitely feel like the kind of involvement and the attention definitely needs to be increased. You know, when I was talking to one of the doctors, he said um, he remembered starting his medical career 30 or 40 years ago in Baltimore, Maryland. And he said, you know, it was very unusual to walk into the emergency room and see uh, someone from the Latinx community there. He said, you know, now you go to Baltimore, you go into an emergency room, it's all Latinx. So the reality is also that our racial demographics in this country have changed and medical schools and the medical community have not kept up with it. Um, that is starting to change. There's more attention to Chagas now than even seven years ago when I started this book, but it's still pretty small considering the impact that it's having. And then the issue of how this disease is one that uh, gets covered or not covered in the major media. Um, do you think that this is a moment when as a whole, we need to be thinking more internationally. We need to be thinking about how those uh, impacts to other nations and to other communities outside of the United States that might be living in poverty or living in rural areas, you know, that because of globalization, because people travel, because of migration, because of climate change, what affects people in one part of the world will affect us, that the other people's problems are our problems, um, and that we should be taking, tackling them now uh, and up front and defensive, uh, offensively rather than defensively when they do become a problem, like Lyme's disease. People are worried that Lyme's disease is going to be a much bigger issue because of climate change. Yeah, and I think something similar may be true with the kissing bug, uh, with Chagas disease and the kissing bugs, climate change definitely does make it uh, more, more of the United States becomes more friendly to these insects. The other issue is also developing um, rural areas even here in the United States. So in Texas, we have seen people, more people diagnosed with Chagas disease is still very small. There isn't a public health crisis with the kissing bugs that are native to the United States. Um, but we've seen more people diagnosed and something that has happened in Texas has been just acres, thousands and acres of land in Texas that have been developed. And, you know, all of that land that gets developed for new housing, for businesses, that's kissing bug country, right? That's where kissing bugs have been for uh, presumably thousands of years at this point. And so we're having, we're actually also building and developing more and placing more people in contact with these insects. Well, Daisy, where can people find out more about your book, about the work you do, and are there any resources that you can point them to around Chagas disease? Yeah, so Texas A&M University and College Station has published the Kissing Bug Guide, which I think people in California, Arizona, the Southwest, and Texas, and the South would be really uh you know, beneficial for them to look at. Um, so you can Google for the Kissing Bug Guide in Texas A&M University. In Washington, D.C., there's also an organization called La Socha, L-A-S-O-C-H-A. Um, and this is a patient advocacy organization for people with Chagas disease. 
And then also California actually has the only clinic in the United States for this disease. It's at Olive View Medical Center in LA County. Um, and Dr. Shiba Maimandi, um, who's uh, who I write about in the book, is um, is was very much an expert on Chagas disease in the United States. And then, of course, people can always get more information at my website, which is daisyhernandez.com. We'll post a link to that from our website as well. Daisy, thank you so much for joining us today and good luck to you. Thank you. My guest has been Daisy Hernandez. She is an associate professor at Miami University in Ohio. Her earlier book is the award-winning memoir, A Cup of Water Under My Bed. She has also co-edited Colonize This, Young Women of Color on Today's Feminism. And we've been discussing her new book, The Kissing Bug, a true story of a family, an insect, and a nation's neglect of a deadly disease. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.